0: A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytani r-rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa la hawla wa la quwata illa billahi al-aliyyil azim. Wa salatu salamu ala ash-shif al-anbiya'i wa al-mursaleen. Wa alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wa nashadu an la ilaha illa allahu wa ahdahu. وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا مولانا عبده ورسوله In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful, all praise is due to Allah, the Lord of the universe, the master of the day of judgment. I bear witness and testimony to the oneness of Allah, to his magnificence, his omnipotence, his might, his glory. To his being the creator and sustainer of all things, the giver of life, the guider of hearts, the master of the day of judgment. And I bear witness to the fact that Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his servant and final messenger. May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and upon all those who choose to tread in his path until the last day. It is said that the character of the Prophet ﷺ was the most remarkable thing. And when his wife is asked about his character, she says that his character is the Qur'an. And in some narrations she goes on to recite the first 10 verses of Surah Al-Mu'minun, indicating that in those verses are what makes up the Prophet ﷺ's character. We've been looking at these verses over the course of many Jum'as in the past couple of months. To understand embedded within them an opportunity for you and I to practically carry out in pursuit of a character that is in the legacy of the best of creation ﷺ. And may Allah make us from amongst those who have a beautiful character. And may Allah make us from amongst those who desire to have good character. And so, as the chapter begins, Surah Al-Mu'minun, qad aflaha al-Mu'minun, that indeed the believers have succeeded. They have definitively attained falah, meaning Jannah. May Allah make us people of paradise. Alladina hum fi salatihim khashi'un, those who have a stillness, a focus of their heart within their prayers. And those who avoid those things that are futile, they turn away from those things that are pointless, they bear no benefit or detriment. And those who are the doers of Zakah, both ritualistically and also in regards to a purification of the heart. وَلَذِينَهُمْ لِي فُرُوجِهِمْ حَافِذُونَ And those who guard over their private parts, they guard over their modesty, their chastity. And this verse that goes into this characteristic is one that we started two weeks ago. وَلَذِينَهُمْ لِي فُرُوجِهِمْ حَافِذُونَ And it becomes important to understand, especially within the framework of modernity, we can have everyone please come and move up again, very close, very tight. The two verses that come after, they become attached to this verse. <speaking in Hebrew> <speaking in Hebrew> And the framing of this is important for us to understand. The lam that precedes the word furuj is one of emphasis. لِفُرُوجِهِمْ And it's giving indication that the way that you would watch over anything that is important to you in your life. The way that you watch over your wealth, the way that you watch over your children, the way that you watch over your home, your most important and materialistic belongings. The emphasis is there to say that you got to watch over this thing as well. That the norm in and of itself is given now exception in the next verse, إِلَّا عَلَىٰ أَزْوَاجِهِمْ أَوْ مَا مَلَكَتْ أَيْمَانُهُمْ فَإِنَّهُمْ غَيْرُ except within these cases, meaning everything outside of it, Allah is saying you should not be doing. So other than those that you are married to and those whom your right hand possesses, <coughs> in the framework of modernity, and it's not the focus of this khutbah, perhaps it will be a later one, a pre-modern understanding of the relationship between those who one's right hand possesses meaning slaves that existed within the pre-modern context and slavery was something that was allowed But within a modern understanding and not because we have moved away from something religiously but embedded within our religion was the abolishment and abandonment of the abhorrent practice of slavery But it, saying that in these instances, these are the only ways that one is allowed to engage in pursuit of that physical intimacy, that sexual behavior. Our focus is one of relevancy to where we are today. Because slavery is not allowed in Islam. It's just not. And so it's not to say that that's not an important part to look at, but in the context of what I'm hoping to discuss with today, we can look at that at a different point. فَإِنَّهُمْ غَيْرُ مَلُومِينَ لَوْم means to blame. When we call the nafs in this qualification, lawama, we're saying the self-reproaching, self-blame. An opportunity to recognize where you have areas of improvement as where is where you're good, but can perhaps be better. So Allah is saying that when you are in this type of relationship, there's nothing that anyone can say to you that you're doing that's wrong. That Islam as a religion is not one that understands physical intimacy and physical love to be something that is looked down upon, that's something that is better to avoid, or it's not more spiritual to be in a place that says, I will not marry, nor even if I'm married, I will just leave behind a physical relationship with my spouse because somehow that indicates that I'm at a higher level of spirituality. That's not what this religion says. If anything, it indicates that Within men and women, there is a mode and a need to have that kind of satisfaction. And that in neither is it problematic. This is where the Prophet ﷺ in the hadith tells men that when they are engaging in pursuit of their own physical desires, satisfaction, that they ensure that first they meet the needs of their wife so as to ensure that their pleasure is met as well. And where and how it sets parameters now for us in a framing that is necessary to understand and draw meaning from. Illa <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the word Allah and said that it's unique in its utilization, that the مُفَسِّرِين, they would comment on it in a lot of different ways because grammatically, you would normally see the word min used, from, in this type of context, not the word ala. And aside from the word Allah, expanding what it is that you have upon your Zawj in this instance, a right from them and towards them, both are understood, there's reciprocity. But it's also deepened beyond just physical right, and it ensures that a holistic understanding through this word Allah is there of financial rights, emotional rights. Spiritual, mental rights, the manifestation of love in each one of its forms. But what Allah is also doing here is restricting. Illa Allah Azwajihim deepens the idea that not only do you engage in this behavior in marriage, but the only one that you are engaging in it with is the one that you're married to. Meaning, you don't look elsewhere, you just engage your spouse. That infidelity is not an accepted practice in our religion. That literally, the Prophet ﷺ says, the one who cheats is not from us. The principles of ethics have to be taken from it. Because we live within a modernity that has enabled us to have access to infidelity in ways that are so innumerable in comparison to what existed before. And the fundamental purpose of marriage has changed from culture to culture and community to community. But the verse that comes after these verses and speaks about the next characteristic of the believer that has success, speaks about the one who honors their promises and their oaths, their trusts. And so preceding it with an idea that reiterates to the reader that when you enter into this relationship, that is the only relationship that Allah says you should be engaging in this kind of behavior in. You also are not open to be able to go and wander and stray based off of what your desires tell you. Why is this important to understand? Our learning of certain ethics and values gets rooted just in experiential knowledge. I'm 37 years old and I've been in this role since I was 22. And a lot of things astonishingly still don't surprise me in the ways that I thought that I would be desensitized to them, but they still bring a level of how is this possible? And at 23, it was the first time I sat with a young student here, Muslim girl, speaking very openly, and not with emotion or any sense of distraught, but she said that, I anticipate that if and when I get married, my husband will cheat on me. And she said, what can I really do? And I said, why is that something you would be accepting of? And she said, well, I'm pretty sure my uncles do it, I also know that my father does it. It's just the way that things happen. What can I really do? That's the way things go. It's not okay for that young woman to believe that that's something that's okay to be done. Nor is it okay that whoever educated those men when they were young men, let them believe that that was also something that was okay to be done. That it's not a moral relativism, nor is it the idea that it's fine just as long as you're not getting away with it. There's not a religion, a culture, a community in the world that would tell you that the engagement of extramarital affairs is something that they are accepting of. But we live also at a time where statistically there are large percentages of people in the world that are doing this behavior. And if for nothing else, if you have to bring it back to yourself, you don't want to stand in front of Allah with that on your record, may Allah protect us from it. You don't want to be evidence of a hadith where the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam who in some narrations is telling you and I that if you do things like this act, you and I will be like this on the Day of Judgment. This is literally a man Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam who theologically across schools of thought there is the understanding and belief that when you give salam to him, even today he comes and returns salam back to you individually, looking for every reason to say that you can be a part of what it is that I have going on, regardless of how society has cast you out. And he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, says, the one who cheats is not from us. So you got to understand how serious of a thing that it is. The statistics range from the high 20s to the high 70 percentages based off of the definition somebody gives infidelity to. This crazy man, what humanity is possible in creating and inventing. The different ways that we have not only invented to take one another's lives, but have actually then used each one of those things to kill indiscriminately. May Allah forgive us. And so too, the various ways that we have been able to create and utilize not just physical, but also in turn emotional infidelity to people that we have made commitments to. We live in a sphere where it's not that you and I somehow have more desire, more Hawa than people who came generations earlier. But we live in an era that tells us that we're totally justified in pursuing our desires under the notion of rendering happiness, quote unquote, regardless of what it is that we end up doing in pursuit of it. That there was a time when people would leave relationships because they were unhappy in them. They did not find contentment, which is fine. But there is now a time, whether it's marital or otherwise, that people walk away from relationships not because of unhappiness, but they feel like they could be potentially more happy somewhere else. That the nafs is not being satisfied, it's being tyrannical and it's telling you, just go and do whatever you want to do. That from amongst the many paradoxes of choice and decision making, the notion was there that there is a liberation in being able to give humanity more choice and more things that they can just pick from. But your mind getting you to a place where you are constantly trying to satisfy something that remains unsatiated. And this is where the wisdoms come to us, that if you can be a person who can control what is between your two lips and your two legs, then you have control over everything. That you can control your stomach and you can control your sexual organs, then you can control and make decisions in pursuit of a different level of consciousness and ethics. The challenges can be real in relationships, but the values that guide us have to also be understood and be constantly and consistently returned to. Zina in our tradition refers to the act that most of us associate it with. But the hadith also speaks to us of a zina of the eyes, a zina of the hands. That the thoughts that you think, even if they are not manifest, they are still thoughts that you are thinking. If you go into an office space, you close a door to a bedroom and turn on a computer screen, you fly and travel someplace else and you're away from community, and nobody knows what it is that you're doing or who it is that you're doing it with, it doesn't mean that it's not being done. We have a prophet who was known as being Al Amin before he was known as Nabi. That his sense of integrity was rooted in his honoring of trusts and being truthful and trustworthy. And unfaithfulness, infidelity was not something that he ever strove for. So, if you had people growing up in your lives, they made it seem like through their example that this was behavior that was acceptable, you should know that it is not. That the very verse is saying that you can't do this with anyone other than your wife, your husband, your spouse. Which sets the parameters of premarital versus being married, but it also says that in the context of it, It is only with this person, meaning that no one else gets to have that with you. No ifs, ands, or buts. What brings us to this place is a historical discrepancy that allows for, in most societies, men to do whatever it is that they want to do. And for women to not be able to follow suit. And I'm not saying in any which way or form that the solution is to say, let women just go and do it too. But a big part that is necessary to recognize is that men have to revisit what it is that is our guiding philosophy on life, where we draw our morals from, our ethics from, and remember who our teacher is sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So people will look to you for examples. They will try to see how it is that you interact with someone and how it is that you interact differently with others. The young men in our lives, they will look to us to understand how they should treat their women by the way they see us treat their mothers. The young women in our lives will understand what it means to be treated as a woman by the way they see their mothers being treated by us. That sense of commitment, that sense of fidelity is a virtue that becomes a base for so many other things. The justifications that can be rendered for behavior that is not acceptable is something that you might say to yourself, and given the dynamic in a community, people might even validate it for you. We just got to go back to this hadith. He who cheats is not from us. You want to think who you want to be with. You got problems going on or you anticipate it, work on your communication. Manage what it is that you need to have managed. But to allow for it to be something that shifts. The no person should anticipate that when they grow up, the person that they're entering into a contract with to manifest love permissible in all of its forms somehow has the leeway to go and wander in whatever way they want to wander by simply the gender that they have or the norms in the culture and society that allow for it without consequence. And in the broader sphere and sense of consequence, whether or not we admit it to ourselves or we stay silent on it or leverage what we have as privilege in the sense of this dunya every part of us is going to speak man on that day of judgment your eyes are going to say what you watched your hands are going to say what they touched literally the breath that travels through every part of your inner that you can't see and every organ that it's touching to manifest those words that you should not be speaking to somebody that is not your spouse. And you quench it, you push it away, you get the help that you need. You make the decision that says that it's not working, then let me end something before I go and start something else. But those justifications, they're not going to bear weight. And in comparison to the hearts, that get hurt through that act of infidelity. And why do we have to understand it through the framework of gender? Because you know as well as I do that there's an imbalance that's there. that those percentages that go crazy high, likely there's a good number of Muslims that make up those percentages. That's not the kind of Muslim you want to be, for your own sake, more so than anyone else's sake. Within yourself, where you have opportunity to understand where the fundamental level of trust can easily get swayed into a layer of betrayal that becomes damaging and difficult. And the other thing that I would want to impress in this situation is to understand that that dynamic that exists between those two individuals, where and how they gain support from the outside, is not for us to be the ones that add more conflict and stir the pot. And this is what فَإِنَّهُمْ غَيْرُ مَلومين, amongst many things the mufassirin says also it means. That the people there without reproach or without blame, it means that it is not for you to somehow now be from an external standpoint, being judge, jury and executioner of a couple who you are not within the specific frame of their relationship. And so if someone, God forbid, finds themselves within the situation where they have done something to cause pain or harm to the other, there is still room for them to have whatever pursuit they want to have. Divorce, counseling, to come together and figure out a way to make it work. But our role is to not add more to the challenge. It's to be a support mechanism in the best way possible. And that's not indifference, but to listen, to absorb, and to help them to make the decisions that they need to make without the presence of what will people say, communal pressure, this and that, and otherwise. إِلَّا <laughs> No one except your zawj. That means that glance, that flirtatious conversation, that one minute that you might have done something here or there. If you think it's okay, stop the thought process. That's not the kind of man you want to be. The movement that says that it's just anticipated, something that you got to put up with because what else can you do? That kind of nonsense has to go out the window. And the consequence, if it's not enough, that you are holding someone's heart in your hand and hurting it, and so many others that have relation to it as well, you bring it back to you. You want to stand as a member of the Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu on that day when everyone is behind the Prophet they claim to follow? Or do you want to be the person who fits into the hadith that the best of creation, he said, the one that cheats is not from us. Don't even come close to it. And where you have, don't make excuses for it. Let the apologies come and embrace in whichever way you can the ethics that are drawn from our Prophet's legacy. And where and how you find yourself in a place where you are dealing with this, may Allah make it easy for all those who find themselves in these difficult situations. You don't have to blame yourself for somebody else's actions. If somebody somehow says that because you did X, Y, or Z, I then went and transgressed this way, and they make you feel bad for them doing something, that is haram. That type of dissonance is not fair to you, nor is it something that you somehow have to acquiesce to silently. But you can say that this is not honoring the rights that I have over you, and it is not something that I will tolerate in the relationship that I find myself in. We are meant to be people of trust and truth and integrity. And may Allah make us so. Really dig deep and think about what you bring to the relationship. And here in this verse, Allah is saying, Illa ala azwajihim. Going back to the first of Qad Aflah al In Alhamdulillah. In Alhamdalillah, he named Ahmedahu, one a stain, who one a stagfirruh, one minubihi, one at our kulu alay. When I would be shururi and fusina, women say yate amalina, may yeh ta'ala fala mudil la, or may you'd lil fella hadiella. When a shadow a la ilaha illa la who wah dehula sharikala, when a anna sayyidina, Molana, Mohammedan, Abduhu or a Just a few announcements before we make du'a. And to be able to reiterate also the idea as to why these are conversations that we want to not just begin, but to have deeply and introspectively. Because quite often when we are taught religion growing up, generalizations that I'm comfortable making, it's simply within the framework of mechanics and rituals, but they have to lead us to something as well. And there's such a depth in our tradition that tells us how to be, good, ethical, moral people, and says these are the parameters, and even if societally something is acceptable, the Prophet said that this deen started as something strange and it's going to end as something strange, and he gave glad tidings to the strangers. So be strange, man. Allah gives us a parameter and process, not for His benefit, but for our benefit, Where you have the capacity to be able to reflect inwardly or make commitment to yourself that says that I will never be the cause of that kind of scenario and situation existing. Because it can hurt in ways that many of us don't even realize. We have some important programs that are coming up next Thursday, inshallah. uh, On the 20th, we're going to be doing an event with the Uyghur community uh, here in our prayer room. Uh, There's a young sister who is of the community um, in our community, so she is Uyghur herself, and she has asked that we host something Uh, We've put together a panel to describe the crisis that is taking place there. Many of you know it, that there are millions of our Uyghur brothers and sisters that are placed in internment camps that are being indoctrinated, tortured, and abused. May Allah make things easy for them. And quite often when I travel to speak in different programs, conferences, there's large bazaars. I'm met at the front doors by Uyghur Muslim men and women Who will be asking person after person, will you help us with this, will you help us with that, speaker after speaker, can you talk about this from the stage, and different people will get uncomfortable, or they might say yes, but they then say like nothing about it after the fact. And so come and be educated and be aware, so then we can figure out how we become part of the process of a remedy. Even if that's us coming together to just make du'a and pray, but we come with a different recognition of what the struggle is and not just rely on blips from media here or there, but hear from the people who are impacted. That'll be next Thursday, the 20th, uh, at around 6, 6.30 p.m. in the Musalla. On the 29th, inshallah, uh, our Black Muslim Initiative will be hosting its second annual Black Muslim Symposium. There's amazing speakers, amazing scholars, and everyone in this room should do what they can to come and attend. One, to be able to just listen, learn, and understand if you are a non-black Muslim in this space and to see where you can and I can learn so much from following the lead of our sisters and brothers who self-identify as black. But two, to also be in a space where we are invited as allies in the truest sense of the word, and to recognize that we can be a part of celebrating, which will be a long process of this community addressing its own anti-blackness and creating space for black men and women in it to celebrate their own identity and be a part of our collective growth as individually they are able to embrace all parts of who it is that make them who they are and so that'll be on the 29th and we want to make sure everyone is there you can sign up through our website Uh, we're going to be having a team for the nyc Gaza 5k where proceeds will be going to help our sisters and brothers in Gaza, may Allah make things easy for the people of Palestine and end the occupation that's taking place there. And May Allah make us and our generation bear witness to a Palestine that's free. Inna Allah <laughs> wa malaikatahu <laughs> yusalluna 'ala an-nabi. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu sallu 'alayhi wa sallimu taslima. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik 'ala sayyidina Muhammad fil awwalin wa fil akhirin. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa barik wa sallama ya arhamar rahimeen Allahumma innaka afoon kareemun tahibbul afwa fafu anna ya mukalib al-kuloob thabbit kuloobana ala deenik Allahumma ja'anna min al-mukhliseen Allahumma ja'anna min al-mukhliseen Allahumma ja'anna min al-mukhliseen We begin this supplication in your name ya Allah and beseech you to send your choicest salutations upon your most beloved sallallahu we ask that you shower your infinite mercy upon this gathering, granting each and every one who is present herein and our loved ones only the best in this world and the best in the next. We ask, Ya Allah, that if all of us are meant to be together only at this time, at this place, whether we are young or old, male or female, regardless of our race, our ethnicity, our social class, our country of origin, our cultural heritage, whether we are Muslim or come from a different walk of life, Ya Rabbi, if our individual hearts are meant to be in the presence of all other of hearts that are gathered here only at this time, at this place, then gather us all together again in the best of places in the world beyond this one. Increase us, Ya Allah, in all that is good. Protect us from any type of affliction, anxiety, or anguish. Make us people who honor the rights, the trusts, the relations that we have been blessed to have in this world, Ya Rabb. And never let us be from amongst those who are unfaithful or dishonor those rights in any which way. We ask Ya Allah that you make us from amongst those who move forward in our time in this world in a way that is most pleasing to you. They keep us away from those things that you have said are impermissible and make us from amongst those who love to engage only in that which is permissible. Help us, Ya Allah, to find value in all that it is that you have given to us, to be grateful and appreciative and to let that gratitude be the basis of how we see what is around us. And Forgive us, Ya Allah, for mistakes that we have made. Forgive us, Ya Allah, for times that we have hurt hearts in ways that we might not even realize. We ask, Ya Allah, for all those who are seeking companionship, a companionship rooted in a marriage that You have prescribed for us, that You grant them the best of companions, Ya Allah, that will be a means of benefit for them in this world and in the next. That for those who are blessed to have found their spouse, their marriage partner already, that you increase them in their love and their mercy that your Qur'an speaks about, and that you make theirs a marriage that gives to them only that which is good, and from them emanates only that which is good. We ask, Ya Allah, that for those who have dealt with the difficulty of seeing their spouse pass away, or have been separated for whatever reason, that you grant ease to their hearts and bring to them a real sakinah, And enable them, Ya Rabb, where there is benefit and khair, to have the best of reunions in the world beyond this one. Make us never those, Ya Allah, who abuse those that we have rights over and have rights over us. But enable us to be those who honor those rights in every which way possible. And to ensure that we follow in the footsteps of your most beloved peace and blessings be upon him. Protect us always from hearts that are not humble, tongues that are not wise, and eyes that have forgotten how to cry. Forgive us for our shortcomings and guide and bless us all. رَبَّنَا تَقَبَّلْ مِنَّا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ السَّمْيُّ الْعَلِيمِ وَتُبْ يَا مَوْلَانَا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ التَّوَّابُ الرَّحِيمِ وَصَلَى اللَّهُ تَعَالَى عَلَى خَرِ مُحَمَّدٍ وَآلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ Salah. <laughs>